0: Welcome to New Perceptions Podcast, the official podcast of the Journal of Psychedelic Psychiatry. The New Perceptions Podcast is for education, information, and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast are solely those of the host and guests and do not reflect the official policies of any entity. This podcast and the Journal of Psychedelic Psychiatry does not support or condone the illegal use, distribution, or sale of psychedelic substances. Furthermore, the topics discussed should not be solely used to diagnose, treat, or prevent diseases or conditions. And the reading, reading or listening to this podcast does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. The content discussed does not constitute medical advice, and any specific medical questions should be directed toward your personal health care professional. If you are listening to us on the Journal of Psychedelic Psychiatry website, it would be easier for you and better for us if you would please consider following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you will be notified when the latest episode airs. I'm Dr. Tyler Chervisted, editor-in-chief of the journal, and it's my privilege to welcome you to this author-interview edition of the podcast. Dr. Megan Oxley attended medical school at Wayne State University. She completed emergency medicine residency and currently serves as the vice president of the American Society of Ketamine Physicians. Her letter to the editor can be found in the latest issue of the journal. Uh, Megan, welcome to the New Perceptions Podcast.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, could you kind of tell the listeners out there a little bit about yourself and how you uh, came to find yourself in the ketamine space?
1: Sure, sure. A, I'm an ER physician by trade, and um, I had been working in the emergency room, and I was always fascinated by ketamine, you know, giving it for sedation and the things that people would say after you gave them ketamine, just loved it. And um, I had a friend who ultimately was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, and I was Looking for a way to help her, stumbled across ketamine. A couple other steps in there, but you know, ultimately I had a family member with treatment-resistant depression, so found all the research, and it just kind of like fell in my lap. It felt like something that I needed to do. So yeah, I um, started a clinic, uh, you know, five and a half years ago when I was in the ER, and then um, about three years ago, two years ago, I stepped away from the emergency room, and I've been doing ketamine full time since then.
0: That's awesome. Could you kind of talk a little bit about your clinic that you founded and and what kind of services you guys provide?
1: Yeah. So we call ourselves an integrative ketamine clinic. We're trained in ketamine and integrative psychiatry. Um, It's myself, two physician assistants, three therapists. Um, We try to help people get outside of the box options for their treatment resistant depression, um, anxiety, OCD, but we also treat chronic pain and addiction. Um, They're all variations of a theme so um yeah that's what we do that's great and um
0: we have you on here to talk about your letter to the editor that was published in our latest issue here Um, it was kind of a response to our most recent issue that was uh, ethical guidelines for ketamine clinicians um could you kind of explain a little bit about what your critiques were of that article and kind of what direction you would like to see ketamine administration go in the future
1: yeah So uh, Raquel Bennett published some great ethical guidelines for the ketamine clinician and our response really actually isn't to Raquel's work so much. She has done a good job in that space and it's really needed. Uh, We also have some guidelines that we published around the same time. Um, It's really our critique was to the response or the commentary um, that really kind of um, singled out that psychiatry is the only field that should be administering kind of mean. And our organization, of course, I already introduced myself as an emergency medicine physician um, feel very strongly that this is a multidisciplinary medicine. It wouldn't even exist you know, in the psychiatry space if it wasn't for anesthesiology. And so it was um, very much kind of just the counterpoint to only psychiatry should have access to and should use this medicine for these conditions.
0: And so you talked about your clinic a little bit. Do you have any involvement from a psychiatrist in in your clinic?
1: No, we take referrals and we refer out when we feel like it's necessary.
0: Okay, so you're really kind of doing all of that. Um, we had Raquel and uh, dr. Wesley Ryan on um, for our most recent podcast which which is available now um, and we kind of pressed um, dr. Ryan on, on these critiques a little bit. Um, uh, I'm med psych trained and so I can definitely understand my um, more internal medicine or even EM colleagues who uh, prescribe you know, antidepressants they prescribe you know, benzodiazepines and all these other psychiatric medications and so how does ketamine you know, not fit into that group, especially in treatment-resistant populations. So we've 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 kind of pressed him on that, um, and I think you know what he would say is that he feels that there is a um, level of psychiatric care that is missing from that. Now, whether we agree with him on that, I think that's his his critique is that for treating depression or for treating anxiety, that people do better. And I think he even tried to cite some statistics in his articles. And I was hoping maybe you could touch on on your critiques of, of those comments there.
1: Um, you know, I've had some similar discussions with the psychiatrists locally here. Um, they did a study for um, ketamine and I did all of their follow-up care. And so we have a lot of lively debate. And I I kind of wonder when you look at the STAR-D trial data and you look at how many, you know, three, four, five antidepressants in and the rates and remission rates just get worse and worse and worse. And it, it feels hard to me to argue that then the psychiatrist is the only one to know what to do with those patients, especially when you're introducing a powerful medication like ketamine um, that has such a high remission rate. I understand Wes's point that these patients are very sick, but I also don't know that that's always the truth, right? And, And I think actually psychiatry's really hard line on this is what's pushing patients away from them. So the argument that I've been making from the very beginning is like, you should be happy that I'm here to take care of those patients because a lot of them have unfortunately stepped away from psychiatry. They don't want any more SSRIs. They don't want any more SNRIs. They don't want to be come in and say, well, let's try this one. Let's try this one. Let's try this one. They don't want to have the gene site put in front of them, cross off the 25 meds. And then the doc says, well, I guess we'll try this one. You know, it makes them feel awful. (laughs) And so they, it's, I think very helpful that there's another doctor mind that comes from like this different place that can come and take care of them. When psychiatry is often just like, well, you haven't tried this SSRI. Yeah, you've tried eight, but you haven't tried number nine. And I'm sure that's the one that's gonna work. So I, I just don't see that argument really panning out. And again, I think it's great that there's other minds in the field that were trained differently. That's the, you know, that's the problem with the psychiatry residency almost is that everyone's being trained the same way. SSRI, SNRI, maybe a TCA, oh, those all didn't work. Did you, you know, did you do an adjunctive atypical? Did you not do that? Do they have, you know? type two bipolar. Oh, did you try, you know, did you try TMS? That didn't work. Let's do an MIOI. So it's nice to have a different brain, a different problem solving algorithm looking at those patients. But,
0: Um, so if you could kind of walk us through, you said it's kind of an integrative psychiatry approach to it. Um, what would your, if somebody was coming for you, uh, for treatment resistant depression, they're coming to your clinic. Could you kind of walk us through what your process is and then how do you go about determining if somebody would be, um, you know, directed towards ketamine-based therapy or or what's your process for administering ketamine um, to patients and and what's that look like from your end?
1: Yeah, in my clinic, um, patients come in for an hour-long consultation with a provider and our therapist hour long is a a in-depth interview of you know symptoms medications tried but also a a lot of childhood family relationships um adverse childhood event scores you know major life shaping events therapies that they've tried you know the timeline of all that kind of stuff And and we look at all we look at all of that um see what kind of medications they're on and then from from that we confirm the diagnosis like if there's any question you know, if we need to, um, we can talk to the therapist, talk to their psychiatrist, the therapist and I can confer or whatever, if necessary. Um, and then we come up with a plan. Um, shocking. I'm, I'm so shocked. So this was the other thing I came into this space thinking, okay, um, I'm going to get patients who've seen a psychiatrist. They've tried four or five medications. They're not feeling better. So I'm going to give them ketamine. They must've had a full workup. <laughs> no so most of them we recommend getting blood work have they had their vitamin d levels have they had their thyroid levels checked have they had their b12 levels checked like things that are very important for your brain to function appropriately um any additional psychiatry like uh site testing if necessary although rarely you know like ADD testing or that kind of thing. Um, and then again, come up with the the treatment plan that for us has, you know, usually ketamine, all the other options and the other options then being the backup options. So one of the most important things is having, you know, what are you going to fall back on if ketamine doesn't work? And I think that's one of Wes's main points is like, how can you do that if you're not a psychiatrist? Well, I think I can do that really well. And you can look through my notes to see, but, um, So they they get all of that and they usually have time to think about it. Um, And if they need to go get lab work and and if they need to start a medication, maybe they need better control of their PTSD or better control of their anxiety, or maybe they just started a medication, but it's not really helping. So you might as well get it out before you start ketamine. So, you know, we have a window to get those kind of changes done. Um, All of our patients then meet for an hour with the therapist. If they're going to proceed with ketamine to get ready for what ketamine treatment is. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What might come up during it? How am I comfortable? How do I structure my life during that period of time? Like what support am I going to need? All that kind of stuff. That's a whole hour meeting. Um, And then if they want to proceed, then depending on their severity, we'll recommend ketamine once or twice a week uh, based on severity. And then sometimes we'll recommend ketamine assisted psychotherapy if they're a less of a severe patient. And then, you know, then they kind of go that way.
0: And so I'm assuming this is all IV ketamine done there in the, not Spravato?
1: Yeah, I don't use Spravato. I think uh, Spravato is ad- advantageous because it has insurance coverage. Um, and so as an affordable option, I think that's great. Um although I was recently talking to a local psychiatrist who said like Blue Cross Blue Shield isn't paying him anything for his bravado patients. So I don't understand why you would use bravado otherwise. It's very, you know, the reports I'm getting from patients is very variable absorption. One experience is really intense. The next one, you're just sitting there. You don't know what it's going to be. You're there for two hours, but I could go on. Um, So access-wise, if if it's helpful, that's great. But otherwise, yeah, we do IV ketamine. I actually use a little bit of oral ketamine in the office. I use IM ketamine, when appropriate. Um, I've, d- and I've, I've done a lot of it, not myself. <laughs> I mean, I've used a lot of it in the clinic.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that, that's kind of helpful. Uh, and how long do you patients, um, what's your typical treatment length for ketamine? Is it, you know, six weeks or are you having them come back for maintenance dosing? What's that look like?
1: Yeah, that's really, I think such a fascinating area that I would love to see studied, um, Some patients can do that initiation series and get what they need for years, right? And some people do that initiation series and then they need to come back every two or three weeks. Um, It seems to have a lot to do with severity of illness, uh, situation outside, duration of illness, um, number of medications they're on, right? People who are on less medications seem to do better than people who are on a lot of medications. Um, so I have some people again, that I've, you know, been you know, like intervened in that short window. And I have some people who've kind of been chugging along for four years. I had a patient today tell me that they just made a major breakthrough in therapy. She had a single digit PHQ for the first time in like three years. I'm like, wow, we've been doing this for three years and you finally hit your breakthrough.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, As far as your training in EM, I bet you got more practice administering ketamine than probably most people outside of anesthesia did, um, especially probably in pediatrics. Uh, What kind of training do you think should be required for, for physicians that are going to administer ketamine? Do you think it should be um, more intensive than what's basically out there now, which is very, very minimal, or you defer to anesthesiologists to come into your practice? Um, do you have any insight or, or ideas about potential guidelines or training programs that you think would be helpful for for physicians that want to administer ketamine?
1: Yeah, it really so um, it really requires something. Um, (laughs) Sounds like a silly statement. In emergency medicine, there's like an ultrasound fellowship, you can do a whole fellowship. And that takes one to two years, or you can do what they call like a mini fellowship. And that's six weeks. And really, I think if this is something that you're adding on, six weeks is probably enough, but you really need a good amount of time with ketamine And to understand the medicine and to talk with patients about the medicine and be able to speak the lingo and understand what's happening to them. Um, the, The medicine part is not as difficult as what is required in the anesthesia and emergency training. It just really, in five years, it really hasn't been that difficult. Um, it certainly requires more than the psychiatry residency, the, you know, we get a lot, a lot, a lot of questions about like blood pressures and that kind of stuff. So there is this medical piece, um, but a lot of it is more just about ketamine as like a psychedelic and a psycholytic and all of the, things that happen to patients in in their minds, as opposed to their physical bodies. Um, So we felt pretty passionately about that at ASKP. There's a lot of ketamine-assisted psychotherapy trainings, a lot. There's like five right now, but there were no medical trainings. There wasn't anything to get you started. There's conferences, right? But there's not like, how do you get started? So we actually created like a 50-hour training with the Integrative Psychiatry Institute that really does give you everything that you would need to be out there and be confident. I think the only thing that's missing is really everyone would be, it would be great if they did two to three weeks in a clinic, just like you do a re, you know a rotation through residency, you do four weeks rotating through a clinic to get you the continuity, You know what do you do in between infusion to infusion or treatment to treatment and to really watch the process happen. So I think, and I'm hoping that, um, you know, psychiatry, anesthesia, like can we come together <laughs> across the aisle and make this kind of six week training? Um, I'm hoping and finally, I had opened a second location about a year ago and COVID had happened and I'm finally to the place where I'm hoping to invite residencies to come visit and rotate through my clinic because I think that's the other thing that could help with psychiatry residents started spending four weeks in the ketamine clinic or like an interventional psychiatry clinic, they're doing TMS, ketamine, ECT. Like, I think that that would be probably enough too to then kind of add that on if you were um, doing that um, in your practice.
0: Yeah, I I would definitely agree. Um, and I, have you know, had more of an opportunity in in internal medicine to prescribe ketamine and then watch it be administered than I think many of my psych colleagues have. Um, but it's still much less, um, than what I assume anesthesia and EM residents, um, get in their training. So, um, like I've used it in the ICU, I've used it when I've rotated through the ED, um, used it on the floor at, at different places for, for headaches or neurologic symptoms. But, um, still something you have to get very comfortable with, um, and then understanding the side effects and dosing a lot of that monitoring stuff. So yeah, I, I think that would be very helpful to have a, a course and, you know, from a credentialing aspect, I definitely don't think it would hurt to have this program that was approved of by these different subs- or, uh, specialty boards, um, to say, Hey, this is something we can look into. Um, we can at least look to in case there's ever, um, you know, a litigation effort. You, we did this training, we've had some, some, some experience with it. And so I think that would be, be very helpful. So, um, kind of shifting gears here to our wrap up. If, if somebody wanted to read more about your clinic, um, what your services are, where would you direct them to go?
1: Oh, my clinic is www.michiganprogressivehealth.com. And then the training, the 50 hour training that we created is a joint venture with the integrative psychiatry institute so if you go to their website or if you go to our website actually you can find the link to that training program it's at askp.org awesome
0: and then if you just kind of wanted to wrap up what you thought the major takeaway points for the listeners were from from this discussion today
1: Well, there's definitely a right way and a wrong way to do ketamine. I think Raquel Bennett's ethical guidelines are a step in the right direction, and ASKP has also worked on standards and ethical guidelines, and we're excited about that and working towards the certificate as well. Um, But we are very much trying to create an umbrella where all of these specialties can come together because ketamine is not just for treatment resistant depression. It's for a lot of conditions that are housed in a lot of specialties. And so our goal is to bring us all together because when we use the knowledge from all the different specialties, we're going to have the best possible outcome for all of the patients.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that is a great place to leave it. So thank you so much for coming on New Perceptions and hopefully we can have you back sometime.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Tyler.
0: I hope you've enjoyed today's interview. If you would like to submit an article for potential publication in the journal or you have further questions, please visit our website, journalofpsychedelicpsychiatry.org, or send us an email at Psychiatry at gmail.com. To stay up to date on all the latest information regarding the journal, please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to New Perceptions.